Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and I am flying solo today, but do not worry. I am joined by a lovely guest, Dr. Rhiannon Bell. Rhiannon is the Director of Aftercare for A21, which is a global anti-human trafficking organization. This organization does amazing work around the world. You're going to get to hear Rhiannon talk a little bit about that. And we are going to kick off our Romans series. We are starting the Book of Romans together today. You all, I hope you're ready to go. We've got five weeks in this New Testament book, and I'm going to tell you, it is rich, it is full, and we are going to learn a lot. Let's get right to it. Well, Dr. Rhiannon Bell. Welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so honored to be here. Well, we are honored that you said yes to our invitation to come on and talk about Romans with us. I'm so honored to have you. I am, you know, this is the first time that we're meeting. It is the first time. Face-to-face, and we're face-to-face thanks to technology. Yes. Not actually face-to-face, but you're in Texas, right? Fort Worth area. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, okay. And then is that where A21, is the headquarters are located? Yes. Okay. So in 2020, we moved our global headquarters from California to Fort Worth, Texas. Well, tell us, for those who may not know, A21 is such a powerful and needed global ministry and organization. Can you tell us a little bit about A21 and your role there? For sure. So A21 stands for Abolishing Slavery in the 21st Century. And our founders are Nick and Christine Kane, who may be familiar to some of our listeners. Friend of the podcast, Chris Kane. For sure. Mm -hmm. So A21, we're celebrating our 15th anniversary this year. We um, started back in 2008 and we're an anti-human trafficking organization. So our mission is to abolish slavery. We're located in 19 countries, 15 operational countries. My role is global director of aftercare for A21. So my background is I'm a clinical psychologist and I think I probably got a dream job, one of the best (laughs) jobs in the world. So I worked in private practice for nine years in Australia and then came across to A21 and made the move here about five years ago, five and a half years ago. So in my role, I oversee the aftercare for survivors of human trafficking. So we're in eight different locations. We're in Ukraine, Bulgaria, South Africa, Greece, Thailand, Cambodia, and here in the US, we're in North Carolina and Texas as well. So we are always busy. I've just this morning accepted five new survivors into our program. It's great to see, uh, to be on this side where we can be providing care for survivors. Yeah. of human trafficking. And that's men, women, and children in all of those locations. Yeah. Yeah. Men, okay. women, and children, sex trafficking, labor trafficking are the primary forms of trafficking okay. that we work with. Wow. Yeah. So director of aftercare, like you said, like you're on that side of like, these are people, image bearers of God who have been, yeah. who have been rescued from trafficking, but they now have to learn how to live their lives Mm -hmm. outside of that system and to cope with the trauma that they certainly endured. 
That sounds yeah, like a heavy a, job. Yeah, it's a journey. We've got incredible team yeah. all across the globe. But yeah, it's a journey. We try and help survivors to get to a place of independence and restoration. And when they come into our program, we ask them, what are your hopes and dreams? Yes. What are your goals? How can we come alongside you and support you in those So often a lot of women have children who aren't in their custody Mm. and they say, I want to get my kids back. I want to get a house. I want to get a job. So just sort of basic needs. And we really try and get survivors to a place of independence, break that cycle of re-victimization so that they're not vulnerable to re-trafficking. Wow. Wow. So it's a very rewarding job. Yeah, That's so wonderful. I'm so thankful that you do that. I'm so thankful that there are people dedicated, teams of people in multiple countries dedicated not only to the identification and rescue of modern day slaves, Mm -hmm. but also to the restoration and flourishing Mm. and life on this side of of that for them. That is just what a worthy thing. Well, I learned of A21 through Christine, probably at like an event, you know, along the way right. some years yeah. ago. And so, and our mm-hmm. family does like the monthly spot. It's one of the organizations. There oh. are so many amazing organizations oh, thank that you, make Sarah. it so easy for someone whose daily work is not in that area at all, but to partner, you know, for in sure. just like the simplest way of praying and and giving, but even though it is a small way, it is such an honor to be able to do that. Well, we couldn't do what we do without our sponsors. So thank you to your family so much. You are very welcome, but I say that to just encourage, if you all are listening and that is something that stirs in your heart, we will link to it in the show notes. But I just wanted, I, I think that's so, it's so good, first of all, for us to know what our brothers and sisters around the world in the Capital C Church mm. are doing. And even yeah. in the, you know, the smaller community of, of She Reads Truth, of those who read with us, of, you know, our podcast guests, our writers, like the whole crew of us, right? That the work that we do, the study and the time that we spend in God's Word, God uses that in each of our individual lives in countless ways. And then we get to, as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, like we get to learn from each other and be encouraged by each other. And you have Mm -hmm. such a unique perspective. Like when you read the words of Romans, for example, because that's what we're doing this Mm -hmm. week, right? I mean, do you, does it immediately connect to the work that you do as you're reading? It does. Look, this morning as I read these five different stories of human trafficking and they were horrendous and I I won't even repeat them, just sometimes we get stories and it's like, how can a human being even imagine doing, like think of doing that to someone else? And I read, I think it was Romans 1 or 2, talking about the depravity of man and how people have gone and sinned and God sort of let them, like given people free Mm. will. Yeah. But then he goes on and says, or Paul says, we've all sinned. (laughs) And sometimes reading these stories of trafficking, there can be such anger, which motivates us to keep doing the work, but just just shock and horror at the state of human beings. But then it's realizing, well, these people, these traffickers (laughs) are sinners. They need the gospel too. And the gospel's not just for us 
Christians who may have grown up in a Christian household, but it's also for traffickers, for murderers, adulterers. And so Romans, as I read Romans 1 to 3, that really stood out. Like I felt convicted. (laughs) Don't come with this Jewish attitude of I'm high and mighty and righteous just because I've grown up a Christian. Yeah, We're all sinners. I need the gospel just as much as that trafficker needs the gospel. Now, the the trafficker needs justice as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we work on that. <laughs> but we are all sinners. Yeah. That is extremely convicting <laughs> to to hear because that is not the first place that I go. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking more like, you know, the just our kind of modern day church context and like mm-hmm. the comfort of my life, the relative comfort that I live in. And and I just and so to think of the stories that you just mentioned, and to realize two things. One, that that's how deep the gospel goes, the righteousness of Jesus and the gift of grace and salvation is for the worst of us, right? Mm -hmm. And also looking full into the face of a holy, righteous, just fully, you know, loving, good God, that that's also me. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. that I also am mm-hmm. in the depth of that. That is my rescue was not a shallow rescue. It was that's deep, right. you know, and yeah. yeah. And I think as I read this scripture, having grown up as a Christian, yes. I'm sort of being the good girl (laughs) most of my life. I think I can sort of identify more with that Jewish mindset. So that was confronting for me reading it. Paul really, the start of Romans is sort of calling out the Gentiles. Yes. But then he really gets into the Jews as well and says, well, you're no better than the Gentiles. Right. And when it was, you know, really kind of a given in the the culture that like, oh, well, the Jews have religion figured out. Mm-hmm. They're God's people. And so, you know, with Paul is coming here with this, this message of Jesus, which kind of turned, I mean, we read it in the Gospels, right? Like it just, Jesus just turned religion on its head and just said, right. listen, you think the scriptures say this and that and the other. I will tell you, <laughs> he's saying something new, you know, about the the inner self and, and our relationship with God and before God. Well, this book of the Bible is, I think it's probably, and I didn't look anything up to see, but I would guess that it's kind of in like a lot of people's kind of top 10, like books that like what comes to mind mm-hmm. when I'm thinking of the New Testament, you know, you think about, mm-hmm. okay, well, I think about you know, the Gospels and Paul's like shorter letters, but Romans is like this big theological treatise, you know. Yes, it is solid. Yes. It's solid. The Roman road, it it takes us through like salvation. Yes. Very thorough, very dense, like the concepts in it are very dense. And so it helped me as I was you know, opening my She Reads Truth study book, which you all, you can mm-hmm. you can still grab your study book if you want one. You can even get a digital one where you can download it immediately. But we always begin, when we're reading a book of the Bible together, we have an introduction to the book. And so mm-hmm. in this study book, it's the introduction is called She Reads Romans, right? And so it 
it kind of gives us an overview of what's happening in this book. And so we know that unlike a lot of books of the Bible, it's pretty like everybody is basically fully on board that Paul is the writer of Romans. So that's nice to know like, okay, we know who this is. We know this man. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of information about him. When you think about the worst of sinners, who comes to mind? Well, Paul does because he called himself that. That's true, yeah. (laughs) And because he actively persecuted the church. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thinking about issues of justice, Mm -hmm. you know, like he was an active persecutor of the church. Yeah. And I think the context is so interesting with the Jews having been exiled from Rome Yes, within the church, and it being sort of mainly Gentiles within Christian Gentiles, sort of in the church, and then the Jews coming back to the church, and so there's all of this sort of cultural division within the church, uh-huh. the Jews and the Gentiles, all of this disunity, and so it is an interesting book to even compare to church within today's culture of like the need for unity, and sometimes there can be yeah. cultural division, and Paul really addresses that yes. in this book. Yes, he does. He does. We think that Paul was in Corinth in his third missionary journey when he wrote this letter, which would have been around AD 57. So Mm -hmm. if we think about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus happening, you know, about 20 plus years before that, Mm -hmm. that is not a huge amount of time. You know, so I mean, that for us, it would be like, oh, okay, here we are in 2023, and that historical event happened around 2000. Like, that's, yeah, you know, like that doesn't seem like long ago. It doesn't, especially (laughs) the older I get. Exactly. The more I think, like, wait, wasn't that just yesterday? Yeah. No, it was not. I mean, it does. It does. And so the church, the capital C church, and the churches, that were mm-hmm. scattered in the area, they were young, like in their faith. And so there was a lot to talk about. Like when when a teacher like Paul, an apostle like Paul, writes a letter to these house churches, first of all, there's context for that letter. He's heard that there's division among them, mm-hmm. and he's going to address that. And he's very familiar with a lot of the division because bringing the gospel to the Gentiles is his thing. Right? Yeah. That's kind of his whole MO. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so I think even keeping in mind that this letter wasn't a letter that the people in the church read themselves, it would have been read out to them. Yes. And so we've got Jews and Gentiles in the same room Mm -hmm. listening to this letter being read out. And maybe in the first chapter, the Jews are feeling a little smug. (laughs) <laughs> um, as the Gentiles are addressed, but then don't worry, it goes across, and, and Paul definitely addresses the Jews as well. Right. And so that would have been really quite interesting to be a fly on the wall in right. the church as that letter was was being read out. Yes, yeah. And so you're exactly right. It would have been, so they would have gathered. This would have been like an event, right? Like we've yeah. received a letter from Paul and we're going to read it. We believe Phoebe is the one mm-hmm. that probably had the letter, may may very well have been the one that read it aloud. Yes. And so to imagine that is also mm-hmm. just, it's just amazing to like use our imaginations and think about what that would have been like. Yeah. And it is a heavy letter. It's, it's not mm-hmm. short, first of all. It would have taken no. 
I mean, it takes us about an hour to read it. So, I mean, I guess yeah. we could think, okay, well, it probably was about the same. I wonder, right. it makes me wonder if the, she had to like pause as there was like murmurs and, you know, like as they're receiving well, this. Well, probably. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would think so. I wonder if there was some, some fighting. Even pausing to digest it. I know. I need to be honest. I needed to pause a lot to really digest this scripture. I did too. I'll be perfectly honest with chapter two. I read, so we, you know, of course we start in chapter one, but I think we, chapter two in our reading this week, when you guys get there, you'll read chapter two across two different days. And so the first 16 verses of chapter two, I read and I just kind of stopped and thought, I'm so confused. And so I just (laughs) started over and Mm -hmm. read it again. And then I, you know, at one point I just had to keep going. And then finally I just started writing down and I literally wrote, I can't remember where this quote comes from, but like when we're confused by something in scripture or kind of don't know where to start that you kind of cling to what is clear. And there were some, Mm, there are parts of it that were clear to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just sort of started making a list of things that were clear, but I honestly think that's a pretty good way to approach a, a really dense book of the Bible like Romans because yeah. it is not all clear to me. No, and it, it wasn't to me either. Yeah. I actually went and listened to it in the message translation Ooh, just to get yeah. a different perspective. And then the Passion was, Translation, uh-huh. came the message was like, oh, okay, I think I get it. Yeah. That really shed some light for me. I love that. I often enjoy also listening, whether it's like the translation that I'm reading or another translation, to listen to it mm-hmm. while I'm... I don't even listen necessarily. I don't look at the text while I'm listening. I will just... A lot of times I'll do it in the car so that yes. it has my full attention because the only other thing I'm doing is driving. Yeah, And so I will listen through and a lot of times certain words or phrases or themes will stand out in mm-hmm. a way that I don't quite catch when I'm reading it on the page. Yeah. Another thing I really like to do, because we get this question a lot, Rhiannon, as you can mm-hmm. imagine, like, what are the different resources that we use or things that we do when we study scripture? And we all, like, even if you just pulled, you know, did a sampling of the She Reads Truth team, we would all have different answers. We all right. do, you know, have our own sort of methods. But something that I like to do when I feel kind of stuck is I will, a lot of the pastors, the pastors that I have like a relationship with throughout my life, either that I've been in their congregation or, you know, they're friends of the family or something like that. People that I feel like I know well enough that I can trust them. I know how they feel about the gospel. I know how they feel about Mm -hmm. scripture, that kind of thing. A lot of them now have all of their sermons online somewhere. So I can right. just go and say, I wonder what, you know, Pastor Jim said about this. Oh, that's good. And so I can go and just kind of look up a book of the Bible. And it's just helpful when there's someone whose teaching style resonates with you. Mm-hmm. It can really be helpful in just kind of being an entry point for me into yes, the text. It can shed a light. That's right. And then I can just keep digging. You know, it's like that's they're holding right. the flashlight and I just keep digging. 
Yeah, that's that's good. Well, I, I have to be honest. I rang my brother last week in Australia. He's a, a senior pastor of a church. Oh, I love that. And I said, hey, Dustin, I've, I better do this podcast on Romans 1 to 2. And, you know, he may have laughed for a while that I had Romans. Like, that is such deep scripture. You got Romans. Like, yes. I said, help me out. So he, he may have sent me some lecture notes from Bible Amazing. College that he's taught and some messages to give me that context. But similar, yes. I, went, I went to the pastor that I yes. knew, my brother, and was like, hey, shed some light. And that yes. really helped. Yeah. And here we are, you and I now, kind of, you know, comparing notes and learning mm-hmm. from each other. And this is why I get so fired up about not just like the work that we have the honor of doing at She Reads Truth and, and, and just kind of holding the door open and welcoming people to come read the Bible with us, but even specifically the podcast is that to have conversations about Scripture, for me, is so formative in my relationship with Scripture. Mm. Because, you know, if you're even down to like a TV show that you're watching, you know, if you're really Mm. into, or like a book that you're loving, or a podcast that you just can't get enough of or something, what do we do? We talk to somebody about it, or we find somebody else who's reading or watching. Mm -hmm. And so I love that like, Scripture is not in this glass case somewhere where right. well, we can't talk about that because it's God's yeah. Word. No, we should. That's exactly what we should it's, be doing. It's so good to digest it with others and, yes. and get their perspective and, and find out how it's speaking to them. Yes. Okay, so the big picture like themes in the book of Romans, what are some things that – so like we know that it's about salvation, you know, yes. you said earlier, I can't remember if it was before or after we hit record, but like the Romans road, right? Like yes, yeah. there is a lot about salvation through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. in this book. What other, even in just these first, how many chapters do we read? We get in about Good halfway book. into chapter three. That's right. Yeah. This week. So what are some other kind of themes that stood out to you? I think in the first week... It's the, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And that's what day one is entitled. I just think that stands out. And even that is so challenging too, if you really dig deep. Right, (laughs) right. Like it's it's easy to say it, but then to practically say, okay, well, am I sharing the gospel with others on a regular basis? And if not, why? And maybe it's not shame, it might be fear, that's a, a big one, I think, but I yes. think that's a, a big theme that stood out to me initially. Right. Yeah, I agree. Paul uses so much language of identity in that first chapter. Yes, I had that written down, yes. the psychologist within me. Even oh, the first, yeah. The first verse, I was like, wow, Paul knows his identity in Christ. And I think because he knows his identity in Christ, he's confident in his calling and he's not ashamed of the gospel because he's so secure within his identity. So that first verse, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I did think, like, what if we all had a statement like that? Yes. For ourselves. Like a servant of Christ Jesus called a fill in the blank and set apart for the gospel of God. And I think that would be just something great. For everyone to reflect on what is my opening letter. <laughs> I love that. I want that. I want to do that. I actually am making that right now because do you know what else I want to do? I want everybody in my family to do that. Yeah, it's good. I think that could be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it gives us clarity too because yes. to be honest, 
I need to really think about, okay, what would I put in there called a... Yes. Well, psychologist is my title, but what sure. what else would I put in there? What am I really called? Yeah. And in do? what order? Yeah. You know, like I feel like the order here, you know, he says those three things, but I think about, for example, here at She Reads Truth, we have values that we operate by internally and externally, right. but it's an internal list of, of six values. And recently, mm-hmm. and we've had those for several years, but within the last year, we ordered them because we realized like, wait a minute, sometimes there will be maybe a decision that needs to be made or, you know, something, there's prioritization that needs to be made. And we have to know, well, what, what takes number one, Mm. you know? And so, and that's what this makes me think of is like, if we think about what our identity is in Jesus, Mm. or just what our identity is, and Mm -hmm. we are able to kind of list that in a hierarchy, that's super powerful. And I think he's he's imparting to the people he's talking to some language of identity, too. You know, like as Paul is talking, because even he says— Verse 5, through him, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. So he's talking to the church. He says, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. And then verse 7, to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. So he's kind of helping them see Mm-hmm. who they are. And I love that he listed loved by God. Yes, I underlined that. Me too. I was like, he sort of sets it straight from the start that all are loved by God. Yeah, all lo- loved by God. And that's good because they're going to need that touch point because <laughs> he's, he's about to get real with them real fast. He's going to hit it hard. Yes, he is. Hit him hard, yeah. He is. Yeah. I mean, even this opening text it's a such a long introduction, mm-hmm. but he really sort of goes through the gospel in that yeah. text in those few sentences or maybe two sentences. It's a real introduction to the gospel. I mean, he even mentions the resurrection of the dead. Like he's mm-hmm. like he's, he goes there straight away. There's a lot of there's an economy <laughs> of words happening here. <laughs> there is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love how Paul is always like I really want to see you. I really want to see you. You get yeah. this feeling that like, man, he wishes he could be in m- multiple places at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, what For would sure. Paul have done with, you know, Zoom technology or something like that? <laughs> being able to fly even. Yes. I did love in verse 12, it says he wants to see them to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, yeah. both yours and mine. So it's not just him coming That's right. to impart, but he wants to learn from them. And, and there's a humility there and a teachable spirit. I agree. Yeah. It feels really simple to me to talk about like in the church that we should be mutually encouraged by one another's faith and encouraging one another's faith. But I think that's something that we have a really hard time with right now. It makes me wonder if it's always been like this (laughs) (laughs) or or not. But I think about too, Rhiannon, the men and women that you have the privilege of working with, these survivors what their faith must be like and how much mm. you must learn from them as they are, you know, and they are learning from so you. Much. Like, Yeah. So much. 
I unfortunately don't work directly with the survivors. Right. But our, our team, I read the, the quotes yes. and the stories from them, and our team always talk about how much the survivors inspire them, just their resiliency, their courage to even to live each day, to get up in right. the morning and, and face each day. And some of our survivors have faith, others don't, others have different faiths. Mm-hmm. But those that do have a faith in Christ will often talk about having been praying, obviously for opportunities to escape their trafficking, but yeah. also they're so thankful to God. Like it's just this real raw yeah. love for God and right. because they've faced death yes. um, and now oh, they're, they're yeah. free. They're very inspiring. Yeah. And so we learn from that. We may have the psychologists on team and the social workers, but our team are constantly learning from our survivors. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a hierarchy, you know, like, no, not at all. I mean, God is kind to give us mentors and leaders and teachers in our lives, you know, each of us. And also we know that as the body of Christ, we all need each other. Definitely. Paul says as much that there's, there's a unity that should be here and, and to be, yeah, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I mean, he, mm-hmm. Paul, who they cer- most certainly know by name, that he wants to be encouraged by them and built up by them. It really shows the power of community and the importance of community, that we yes. need community and we need that. We've even brought that into our aftercare model because we recognize that for healing and healing from trauma, we need community. We Absolutely. need to be around people who can encourage us and, and support us. Yeah. Hey, y'all, Amanda here to tell you about Ned, one of our podcast sponsors. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how to shop for vitamins. When I go looking for vitamins, I'm looking at bottles with a bunch of ingredients on them that I do not understand. When what I really want is just something to help me have more energy. I want to have the energy to come to a job that I love, to parent my kids. I want to sleep well at night so that I can get up and do it all again the next day. Now, what I didn't know, did you know that 75% of American adults are deficient in magnesium and that magnesium is essential to hundreds of functions in the body that help me do all of those things I just mentioned? Ned's Mellow Magnesium is designed for exactly this. It can help improve sleep, reduce stress, increase energy, elevate mood, strengthen immunity, boost gut microbiome. I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. And we don't even have to take their word for it. Ned shares all of its third-party lab reports right there on their website, along with over 5,000 five-star reviews. So if you want to join me in letting Ned help you become the best version of your physical self, you can get 15% off Ned products with the code TRUTH. Go to helloned.com slash truth or enter the code truth at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash truth to get 15% off. All right, back to the show. Speaking of kind of like definitive statements, mm-hmm. these verses, verses 16 and 17 in Romans 1 there is so much here. Like you talked about, like yeah. it kind of lays out the gospel. This does too. It's it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, mm-hmm. first to the Jew and also to the Greek. 
For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Mm. I mean, you could almost just lift out like clause by clause right? and have a chapter, you know, or a podcast per clause. You could study that for for weeks, that scripture. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what is it? What is the gospel? It's the power of God. For what? For salvation. For whom? For everyone who believes. Everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even the how believes. You Mm -hmm. believe. Goodness, goodness. Okay. We're going to turn some pages because you guys get to read all this. Now, something that's exciting to me about being in this study after having walked through the study of the genealogy of Jesus, which our community recently did, there were some long reading days. And then, right. you know, prior to that, back in season of Lent, we were in First and Second Chronicles. So we've been doing a lot of reading. And so yeah. it's fun to me now with Romans that we're not even taking like a full chapter for each right. day. So it does kind of let us sink in our teeth a little bit. Speaking of justice, there's a lot of justice language. There is. Of like the posture of God toward the world. I tried to figure out what it is about some of this that makes me bristle. Mm-hmm. And I ended up feeling very convicted, Rianne, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I want a God who is angered by sin and death and destruction mm-hmm. and injustice. I want that, right? And I don't want him to be passive about it. Mm-hmm. I want him to actively oppose evil in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's it's heavy when you read like this, you know, black and white text on a page that mm-hmm. people are without excuse and like what what it looks like to be handed over to the desires of your heart when your desires of your heart are sinful and not worshipful. Yeah. yeah, it's opposing the evil in in us. In and I us. think as we read this, we need to read it through that lens, recognizing yes. he's not just speaking to them, to the non-Christians, the bad people. Like this is speaking to me too. Yes. And where in my life is there sin? Right. Where I do need to come to God and, and to be repentant because his wrath is real and it's laid out clearly in these first few chapters that we are all sinners and we do all need to come to God and and there is salvation through Jesus Christ but yeah Paul really does go there when he talks about the depravity of mankind there in that second part of chapter one where I something that and I actually wrote this in my margin I have to remember and remind myself that God loves people more than I love people. Mm-hmm. So if something in me is rising up because it feels harsh toward humans, it's like I have to back up and define the terms a little bit because it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> because his wrath and his justice is not, it's not separate from his love. Mm-hmm. Like God is all of his attributes all of the time. He doesn't mm-hmm. stop being loving so that he can be angry or have wrath toward sin and death. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't stop being good, right? And so he's all mm-hmm. of those things all the time, that he is justice and mercy 
simultaneously. That's good. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just want the loving God. <laughs> yeah. It's hard if we've, and I see God typically more through that, the lens of love than right. wrath. But sometimes we do need to take that humble approach and say, okay, well, the loving God also is a God of justice and anger. And there are consequences. And yeah. Romans 1 lays out that God gave up mankind. He, he gives us free will free choice to make our decisions. And if we choose to walk away from God and sin, there will be natural consequences. As a psychologist, we talk to parents about logical consequences for for behavior for children and teenagers, give them the logical consequences. There are logical consequences that we have to face for our sin. Right. And that can be hard to experience, but he's calling us back to him. Yes. Yes. And saying it doesn't have to be that way. That's right. That's right. Something that I was reading, it was just like pointing out that the judge, the capital J judge, is God, and he is holy, and he is righteous, and he is almighty. He's the creator God, right? Mm -hmm. That same God who is the judge of all, right, is also our Savior, Mm. and that that is the same God, that God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one God. Yeah, It's like a we're taking a journey in Romans, mm-hmm. right? It's like sort of establishing, okay, here's who God is, and you all know it, and you can see it. It's evident in the world that God yeah. is real and God is here. I've always loved that that part. Sorry to uh-huh. interrupt. No, you. please. Where it's like just by looking at creation, we've always been able to see God. Yes. Romans 1 verse 20. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, it's when I'm in nature, when I'm by the ocean or in the mountains, Uh it's like, wow, how can you deny God when you see the beauty of his creation? Yeah, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood Mm -hmm. through what he has made. Yeah, you know what I've thought about is like a, you know, well, okay, well, if, if that is true and I believe that it is, I mean, it says here, the end of that verse says, as a result, people are without excuse. For mm-hmm. though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Also, though, the fact that we can see God through what he has made means that if I feel far from God or if I don't know where he is, mm-hmm. I can look around and see mm-hmm. evidence of him. And I think Definitely. I forget that because yes. I take creation for granted <laughs> mm-hmm. and that it is from God's hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so good for the soul to get into creation mm-hmm. and just really appreciate it and to worship God. Yeah. I love claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four footed animals, and reptiles. And then Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator Mm. who is praised forever. I think to me that stood out like talking about creating idols in our lives. I think so often we can want the created over Uh the creator. We can want the miracle over the miracle giver. Mm. And instead of going straight to God, the creator, Mm -hmm. we're just... We can just go to him in prayer with our request for what we want from him. 
yeah. rather than in worship and adoration yes. of him. That really stood out to me. Yes. Idolatry, like just how worship is part of or or the way that we posture ourselves before God. So like if Paul is saying they knew God, but they didn't acknowledge him as God or show gratitude for the gifts of God or who he is. So like the opposite of that then would be that we worship the true God, the one true God, and not yeah. these other smaller things. That And how the supplementary passages for that day mm-hmm. in Isaiah 44, where it said, all who make idols are nothing, and what they treasure benefits no one. Mm-hmm. That idolatry is completely empty and worthless to us. It doesn't have any value. Yeah, It has no value, but right worship of the one true God of Yahweh is blessing and fullness for the mm-hmm. worshiper, but also for the world through the worshiper, right? Because when we're worshiping the Lord, then we are loving Him, but we also are loving others, mm-hmm. right? And just like that worship is such a, a key part of human flourishing, of God's design mm-hmm. for our relationship with Him. I love that. And that sort of comes out how in verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Yeah. And I think so often in our life we can do that. Yes. I get the image of someone. I used to work in retail, like in college uh-huh. I worked in retail uh-huh. for five years. And people would come in and, and bring their clothes and say, I bought this, I, I want to make an exchange. I never had anyone bring something in and say, I want to exchange this piece of clothing for something of lesser value. Uh, we, we never yeah. do that. Nope. But this is talking about how they exchange the truth of God for a lie. And so I get this image of someone going into a store and saying, I will give you this gold, this treasure, but can I have this plastic instead? Right. We don't, we no. don't want, no one in their right mind does that, but that's right. what we can do. We can turn from God and say, no, I don't want your gift. I don't want your treasure. I don't want your truth. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the lies, the world, the trash, because yeah. it gives me that mm. sort of temporary feel right. good yeah. experience. There's a lot of heart language in in these chapters of where mm-hmm. Paul is building a case against well, all of us, turns out, <laughs> himself included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, even against like the Jews, which are suppo- the ones who mm-hmm. the, the Jewish people who are, you know, historically God's people. And and so it must be a really tender position that they're yeah. in and that he's in to say, hey, this is no longer about, and had never has been, just about your outward signs mm-hmm. of worship. Like this is about yeah. your heart and how mm-hmm. you are justified before the Lord. And he starts building this case of how like, you know, not only is idolatry so prevalent in all the layers and all the ways, but also even if we say that we are bound to the law and following the law, the law can't save and we can't perfectly keep it. No. So sometimes we like to think we can if, uh if I'm perfect us women do it all the time. I, I worked in private practice for nine years. I am like 
chief of sinners here in terms of the desire for perfectionism. But I saw so many women coming into the clinic Mm. with perfectionism and they came in because it was destroying their their lives. They were, it was affecting their relationships, their Mm -hmm. marriages, their their kids. And, And so this desire, I want to be perfect. I want everything in my life to be perfect. And I think as Christians, we can do that. If I do these things, if I go to church yes. and do X, Y, Z and have the perfect image, well, then I'll be accepted yeah. by God, by others. But it's 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 not true. <laughs> we can't earn our salvation. We can't. And that is very frustrating, I think, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But when we embrace that, there's so much freedom there because Jesus did. Jesus yeah. earned it once for all. And so mm-hmm. when Paul is saying, he's like, hey, you all like you all need the gospel. Yeah. Jew and Greek alike. Like you all need the gospel. And mm-hmm. where your ancestors had this in Romans two, as Paul talks about their their ancestors had the the outward mark of God's people was circumcision. And then he uses this crazy phrase that we started to talk about before we hit record that he says, actually, circumcision is not something visible. True circumcision is not of the flesh. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. So this is new information, right? And circumcision is of the heart by Mm -hmm. the spirit, not the letter. Mm Mm-hmm. I initially was a little like, okay, what does that really yeah. mean? I like had some question marks, but I love the concept now. Yeah, <laughs> I can okay, say tell me I about love, that. I love this concept of um, circumcision of the heart. And I, I did go to the message to, to look at it and hear the message translation. It said, it's not the cut of the knife that makes a Jew. You become a Jew by who you are. It's the mark of God on your heart not a knife on the skin that makes a Jew. And I think mm. for us, it's it's the mark of God on our heart yeah. that makes us a believer, a follower of Jesus. It's not about whether we go to church each Sunday mm-hmm. and how much we're serving and the image that we have. Or It's really, has God marked my heart? Yes. And am I, is there this sort of purity of the heart that's seeking God yeah. with all of my, my heart, my soul and yeah. strength? And if your heart is marked and shaped by God's love in the gospel of Jesus, how much more does that affect everything that is eventually outward, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of oh, it is so much more formative. It gives us the the right, a pure motivation for yeah. doing these things where we're doing the Christian behaviors because there's a desire to seek God and pursue him, a desire, I want to be in church, I want to worship God, I want to read my Bible. It's yes. not just doing it because of what's expected of me. In Matthew 23, 1 to 7, that the scripture's in the reading plan, uh-huh. it talks about, can I just read it? Yeah, read it. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. Mm. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move on. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their 
Now, is this phylacteries? I think it is. <laughs> um, and lengthen their is. tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. Mm. And that just really spoke to me, sort of in line with this concept of circumcision of the heart. You, uh-huh. Your team chose a great scripture <laughs> to it's align so good, right? with yeah. this. Yeah. But just that... Paul was talking to the Jews about it's not just about being circumcised and having this mark on your skin. It's not just about the image that you're portraying to mm-hmm. others. It's not about being seen by others. And I think we live in a culture and even a Christian culture at times yeah. where there's a desire to be seen, to build a platform, yes. to make a name for oneself, yes. and it can the spotlight can be on self rather than on Christ. Right. Jesus is Speaking against that, I thought about this more from a, a psychology perspective in terms of where is our motivation coming from? And there's this concept in psychology of intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation, okay, which you may have yeah, heard of yeah, it. Yeah, a little, so an yeah. intrinsic motivation is a desire that comes from within. Okay. We want to do something because of the, the pleasure, the joy that it brings. Mm-hmm. Extrinsic motivation is more the desire is coming externally. And because we might receive an external reward okay. or praise, or we want to avoid punishment. Right. So ultimately with parenting, we want it to ultimately be an intrinsic motivation yes. okay. for good behavior. And uh-huh. I said that in quotation marks, but often we can start with extrinsic motivation when parenting with giving rewards um, uh-huh. oh, yes. and even punishment <laughs> to kids. Yeah. And I thought about this that sometimes in, well, my Christian life, there can be an extrinsic motivation, a desire to please others. This is what I meant to mm-hmm. do because I, I have this role or this title or the, I've been a Christian for, for years and done Bible college and, and these things, this is what's expected of yeah. me. Yeah. But does it actually go deep to the, right. is, is Christ marked on my heart? Is there the circumcision of the heart? Right. Right. And the intrinsic motivation is more, no, I'm doing this out of an outflow of my love for Christ yes. because Christ is marked on my heart. I'm not doing it for the likes. I'm not posting each morning devotion on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Nothing against doing that occasionally, but it's not about being seen by others. Right, right. You know, and it's it's related to the idolatry conversation, right, of like, yeah. Where are my desires and affections directed? I mean, this is what sin does. It can feel so benign, you know, like Mm -hmm. it can just feel like slightly off. But as that compounds, it can have really devastating consequences. And it can, in separating us from the Lord, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, to be clear, we're the ones that move, (laughs) you know, like that that it can distract us Mm -hmm. from the Lord. But also for those around us that like, when we don't have that identity, Mm -hmm. you know, that first and foremost of like, who am I really? Yeah. It's easy to get off track really quickly it and it can have yeah. really devastating consequences. And, you know, Jesus is not mincing words here that like even our religious leaders need saving. Like there's yeah. the gospel is is such a great leveler. Like none of us measure up to mm-hmm. the standard of God's righteousness. Like we mm-hmm. all need Jesus. 
Definitely. Something else that stood out to me in this scripture in Matthew, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. Yes. And I think sometimes to me that spoke of the expectations that we can feel from others and maybe Mm -hmm. it's Christian leaders, but I don't want to talk about just like the Christian leaders putting that on. I want to talk about the expectations we put on ourselves because I think we can put these burdens on ourselves to be doing all of these acts and that can lead to a burnout. And often we we put these expectations on ourselves because our identity is insecure. There can be core beliefs of I'm not good enough. And so then we say we develop what we call assumptions, rules, expectations in cognitive (sighs) therapy, which if I look this way, if I'm perfect, if I am the perfect leader, mother, wife, Christian, then I will be accepted, loved. Paul, the gospel is saying, no, that's such a heavy <laughs> none of what load. you can do. It is a heavy load and we put it on ourselves yes. and say, no, we don't need to do that. That's not the gospel. We've, yeah. we've all sinned and fallen short yeah. of the glory of God. Yes, and we, we put that on each other, I think, too. We do, yeah. Friday leaves us. You're going to end right in the middle of Romans chapter 3, and I'm mm-hmm. just going to prepare your heart that it's not a wonderful place to stop. <laughs> but here's why here's why I think it is. It is good because it prompts us to pause and consider the weight of everything that Paul has said so far. Mm-hmm. That, you know, because Romans 3, there are going to be a lot of passages in this chapter that you're going to recognize. For example, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. There is no one who does good. Like it's it's very devastating the state that we are in. And it's so pervasive. Like it's it's not only all throughout humanity, it's throughout each of us, right? Like yeah. it's so deep. It's it so is. deep in me, the need for Jesus. And literally the last verse we read from Romans on Friday is, for no one will be justified in God's sight by the works of the law, because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So what is the law good for in terms of salvation? It's good for showing us that we need it, right? right. Like, yeah. It's, but it's not a way to earn it. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of left with a... Oh, okay. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe it's not a bad place for us to just right. pause pause for the weekend and to think about yes. that. I'll need that I am a sinner and I need yes. Christ and I yeah. can't earn my salvation. Yeah. What I kept thinking as I read these few chapters was the prodigal son mm. and the older brother mentality and the younger brother mentality. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the older brother being more like the Jew, the righteous one, having uh-huh. done the right thing, the younger brother, the Gentile, yeah. who goes off and the prodigal son goes off and, and sins and squanders the money and then he comes back to the father and the father, he's repentant, the father welcomes him back. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that with like, Okay, the, the older brother sort of got his nose out of joint. I don't know if that's a saying in America. Um, <laughs> I love it. Is, is that, that an Australian uh, saying? Yeah, there's so many things I say that are Australian. Anyway, his the older son was, was offended, got his nose out of joint, uh-huh. um, and 
was um, so upset that his father welcomed the younger brother. And yeah. I, I sort of compare that to the Jews and myself as well, if mm-hmm. I'm honest. Like, uh, I'm, the, I'm the one that's done sort of the right thing my whole life. Yeah. And it's like, no, God welcomes everyone. That's right. The, the scripture that we read talked about it. It's the gospel for all. Yeah. And this, this posture of God against our sin is a posture that is for us as his image bearers, as his children. Like the sin in us devours us from the inside out and it mm. and those around us. And so mm-hmm. the harping that Paul is doing on the need for salvation, that is not the end of the story. I mean, if we turn mm. to Monday... Romans 3.21 begins, but now, you know, like, Mm. it's like, okay, there's all of this is true, you guys, it's just true, you need to know that it's true, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, and so Mm. we get to talk about Jesus and the mercy seat of God and the plan of salvation, and Mm. that it's great news yeah. That, There's good news coming. <laughs> yes, it's great news mm-hmm. that this is not within our power because the powerful one has made the way. We yeah. don't have to make that. the way. I love that. Well, yeah. such good scripture. So good. There's so much there. You all are going to, I think you're really going to, I encourage you to dig in. And that even at first read, you've heard it here first from Rhiannon and Amanda. (laughs) You read it and you scratch your head and then you just start over and read it again. Mm -hmm. Read it again and again and again. That's right. Really ask God to speak to you. How can I apply this to my life? Where are you speaking to me through your word? That's right. That's right. Thank you for modeling that for us, Rhiannon, and just being... A friend, a fellow, she who reads truth, who we can just look at and say, like, okay, like we really are in this together. Like we are learning together. We are living out our Christian faith, not in isolation. Like, yeah. And that's, that's on purpose, right? Like we're not, we are not alone. We, yeah, um, we need each other desperately. We really Mm -hmm. do. Yeah. We really do. Well, friends, This is your starting point for your week of being a woman in the Word of God. You have this wonderful study book. If you have that in your your hands, even if you don't, you have the book of Romans. And we are so fortunate to have just unfettered access to God's Word. And I just, Mm -hmm. our prayer is that we don't take that for granted this week, that we open our Bibles every day and meet with God and learn about Him it is a practice that is is formative. It forms our lives. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, it's about Him. It's about who He mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And then who we are comes out of that. And so, Rhiannon, I'm so thankful for the work that you do, but also just that you're not ashamed to talk Thanks, about Scripture Amanda. with us today. <laughs> Thank you. It's so great to come on and, and talk with you and meet you. Yeah, so good to meet you. Yeah. Until next week. Rhiannon, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bible.